Super Talk Mississippi media production. What's the key to discovering delectable dining? Find something that sizzles. A time-tested favorite. A feast for your eyes and palate. And a dining experience handled with care. In Vicksburg, the key to the South. I have been trying to get this guy on for quite some time because, in my opinion, this guy is the leading voice in college football media right now. Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports, Late Kick with Josh Pate, the best college football podcast out there for my money. I got a really tough question for you to start. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be going right into the deep end here. Which is worse, Brandon Walker's college football takes or Brandon Walker's pop culture takes? The third option is just Brandon Walker period end of sentence which is all encompassing <laughs> his 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 pop culture takes are rough it is like a a pothole filled yet to be paved road but the college football stuff that's the area where you know reasonable minds can disagree i think some of his pop culture stuff he's just flat out wrong on it goes yeah. beyond the realm of opinion there's just right and wrong and he's just flat out wrong on a lot of stuff but that's okay that makes those of us who are right look all the more better this is a man who did not see Roadhouse until 2018, I think. So, I mean, <laughs> just I can't take him seriously on a lot of stuff. I want to talk about, let's start off with the two teams that will be in the SEC next year. But I want to talk about this year. What would Texas and Oklahoma be in the SEC this year? It would actually be a really good year for Texas to be here. Anyone who has experience at quarterback and who has potentially high-level uh, play at quarterback it's a good year for you down here. You you look at the odds market and Georgia's at the top and they're starting a new guy and Alabama's always going to be up there. And those, those programs are going to be there just because of overall depth of roster anyway. Uh, but you can go in the SEC with those two and not knowing really what they're going to be at quarterback. You can go beyond the SEC with Ohio State and fill in the blank there. But as for this conference, I actually, you know what? I think people would be surprised if they were plugged in this year to see how high atop that odds board Texas would be. They wouldn't be the favorite to win the conference. I'm telling you right now, they wouldn't be past number three, and I think that would shock some people. And then you'd get the whole, well, we do this every year with Texas talking point, which is true. Some people do do this every year with Texas. I'm not necessarily one of them. So, you know, in my own personal little space here, I think the fact that I believe in them a little bit is noteworthy just for my own personal record-keeping. Oklahoma – I'm not so sure anyone has a good read on them. There were a lot of close losses last year, so that means what it means. Uh, but also, I mean, we had a question on Lake Kick the other night. What would happen if Texas just drags Oklahoma again? That 49 nothing beating they gave them last year I think was the most lopsided OU loss in the history of the series. If they had anything remotely comparable to that, imagine being a Sooner fan and the – the way that you're entering the SEC is with big question marks head coach. Wouldn't be a good feeling. That, that, that's a, a statement that I've made a couple times on Sports Talk, and that's I don't know that if they have another bad year in Oklahoma that Brent Venables ever sees the inside of an SEC media days. Would they Would they move that quick coming into the SEC? I don't see how they can come in at 7-5 and five and say we, we don't make a change. It would be very unlike Oklahoma. I mean, that place has been just the stability beacon at head coach for a long time. But then again, that's because they've had good production at head coach. Uh, you say seven and five there. It'd be really interesting because that would be, what, like a one-game improvement over last yeah. year. But I, I just wonder, even in that scenario, are we looking at a bunch of 
You know, is it one of those things where you had five losses by 18 combined points or something like that? Just mm-hmm. some crazy year. I know wins are wins and losses are losses at the end of the day, uh, but there's a big difference in that and and just getting drugged. Like Michigan State last year had losses that were all by double digits pretty much. They were never even close in games. And so as you're trying to judge a coach moving forward, that's always got to be taken into consideration. The other thing that you have to take into consideration is both of his cycles, Venables, that he's been there for, they've been top 10 recruiting and top 10 in the portal. So the talent acquisition side of it, which is normally the sharpest learning curve for a new head coach and a new staff, that part's getting taken care of. They just now have to implement it on the field. You kind of made the joke there about Texas being back. What about Florida State? Are they back? Are are they finally about to take their spot back as the top team in the ACC? I certainly think they are rightfully in the conversation. I don't think this is some hype bubble. Uh, But then again, you know, I think uh, our bud Elliott puts out the blue chip ratio every year, yeah. and it's really fascinating because it just it's not rocket science, but it it's pretty commonsensical in its approach. And it says pretty bluntly, history shows that no team that has been under 50 percent in that BCR, that blue chip ratio, has ever won a national title. And all that blue chip ratio is, is just measuring what percentage of your roster is four star and five star recruits. It's not the end-all, be-all, but for broad strokes purposes, that's the best raw talent rating we have in college football. Well, Florida State, even with all the transfer additions, is only at like 41%. So not only are they below 50, they're not even close to 50 yet. And yet there they are, right there, neck and neck with Clemson as the odds-on favorites to win the ACC. They're way up there in the playoff ratings. Uh, If they beat LSU in Week 1... That Clemson game in week four is one of the premier matchups in college football. It's going to be anyway. But think about the playoff ramifications. If they get two of those top 10 caliber wins out of the way before Halloween, uh, then there's not much standing in their way. They'd probably have some breathing room. They could probably afford a loss. In the ACC, they're just taking the top two teams now. There's no more divisions. So, yeah, I I think they're rightfully there, but also – it's As we've seen with Michigan, it's one thing to get there. It's another thing to actually win the whole thing. But for Florida State, just getting there would be a big deal right now considering where that program's been. Let's talk a little Big Ten before we go to Mississippi State. Ohio State-Michigan, obviously we know those are the top two. Is there a third horse in that race? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Penn State is to be taken seriously this year. I know, um, you know, I know people have said that before. It's kind of like the Texas yeah. of the Big Ten. People have said that before. I'm telling you, I went up there. I spent three or four days up there last month inside the program. Uh, got to talk to a lot of folks, met with the whole staff. And I, I'm telling you, that is that is a really, really good staff. He got, he being Jim uh, James Franklin, got really fortunate that Manny Diaz was available when he was available because that is a head coach, is your defensive coordinator. Yeah. And they have got not many glaring holes on that team. They probably have the best quarterback in terms of talent they've had there. Uh, they got a one-two punch, really a one-two-three punch, a tailback that is wonderful. I think it may be the best defense in the Big Ten. And they get Michigan at home. They go to Ohio State, they get Michigan at home. I, I think because of, because of the uncertainty at quarterback at Ohio State, yes, absolutely that's a three-team race up there. You talked about Mississippi State a few weeks ago on late kick, and I think the term you used was create havoc. Mississippi State could be a team that create havoc in the SEC this year. What do you really think about the Bulldogs' ceiling this year? I mean, they won nine games a year ago, and I, I think that if Mike Leach was still with us, people would be talking about this team as a potential you know, dark horse in the SEC. But with the new coach, people are, are, are right, they're rightfully have questions. What do you like about this Mississippi State team, and, and how good can they be? 
Well, so I'll give you my answer, but I'll ask you a question on the back end. So I think you're absolutely right in that assessment of if we had Mike Leach with us, this team would be taken a lot more seriously. Look, if we're being honest with ourselves nationally, the first deep dive that most people at the national level are going to do on Mississippi State is still in the future. They haven't done it yet. They're probably planning on doing it, you know, the week before camps open or maybe the week before media day. They'll start just thumbing through the preview magazines. So all they really know is that defensive coordinator guy, that Arnett guy, that guy is the head coach there. And that probably means there'll be some radical shift. No one really knows nationally. So anyone saying otherwise is probably lying to you. I think their ceiling is right at what they did last year. Um, there would be a lot of disagreement nationally with that. But that's also because even though Will Rogers feels like he's been there for a long time and still has some years to play if he wants to, I, I, that's the most underappreciated asset in a quarterback-starved um, college football scene this year you've got a proven commodity there at mississippi state and it's i don't know if it seems like this to you it seems to me like people just kind of glance over it because it's mississippi state which brings me to my question like internally down there what's the feeling on the ceiling so to answer your question it's kind of two parts with rogers and i've, I've done a couple podcasts about this now because i've done these interviews with you cole kublik uh, i've talked to jacob hester i've talked to aaron murray i've talked to all these people and Rodgers gets a lot more respect from you guys than he gets from his own fans. And it's really interesting to see that because most people would tell you the fans would be like, oh, he's the greatest, and the national guys would be like, ah, he's okay. It's the other way around. Everybody loves Will Rogers on the na- in the national media, and their fans are like, well, can he do this and, and can he do that? I think the ceiling, you're, 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 in, you're in my ballpark right there. This could be an 8-9 win team if everything goes right as long as Rodgers stays healthy. But if he doesn't, then they're they're going to really, really struggle with Mike Wright and the freshman Chris Parson. I don't think either one of those guys are ready for prime time. But, the, I mean, they have eight home games. I know that they'd have to go on the road for the toss-up games, but Rodgers has won games on the road with A&M. He's won at Auburn. He's won at Ole Miss. I think he could win a game at South Carolina this year. So, so we'll just see. With Arnett, how much can we really learn about him in year one? I mean, if they go nine and three, or, are you looking at State and thinking, man, they may have found a, a hidden gem there? Oh, Absolutely. Um, you know, I I was thinking back to what you just said there, though. I mean, to answer your second question, yes. I mean, with Arnett, they rattle off eight or nine this year. Uh, Yeah, that's that's exactly the the kind of tenor that would be struck around his name. But with Rodgers, what's important with what you said is this is a conference where a lot of the externals chew you up. Yeah, you got to go against defenses, and and yeah, you got high quality future first round edge rushers like Dallas Turner, for example. But it's the externals. It's it's the pressure. It's going on the road. Uh, it's dealing with all the stuff that surrounds you as an SEC quarterback. That's not as big a factor for him because he's been through it all. And that is something that gets so overlooked. But when you get into a 31 to 28 game, that kind of stuff matters. That kind of stuff swings a football game from W to L or L to W. Um, so I just what I'm fascinated by, and I'm sure everyone else down there feels the same way, is I'm fascinated at how a defensive-minded coach handles the offensive side of his football team. I was listening to Kirby Smart, actually, earlier today talk about how when he first took over at Georgia, that was what he struggled with the most, of kind of walking into unfamiliar territory and being a head coach and knowing he was a defensive guy. He had no doubts about the defensive side, but trying to feel out, okay, how hands-on am I supposed to be with offense? And then how much of it do I delegate? How much do I have to trust? Do I have the right people in the building I can trust? 
all that will come into play this year. I'll tell you that I interviewed Arnett and asked him basically that question, you know, like how much do you plan to work on? He said, well, seeing as how I've never coached it a minute in my life, I think it'd be pretty stupid of me to jump over there. So I think he's going to be pretty hands-off, sort of the same way Leach was with the defense. So we'll see how that all pans out. Josh Pate, really appreciate your time, man. I know it's been a, we've been struggling trying to get you on here. I really appreciate it. Have a great day, and uh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it, Brian. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.